Hey y'all, it's A Few Minutes with the Pew Podcast. I'm Lily. And I'm Maddie. And we have a passion to see people make Jesus number one in their everyday lives. We want to get serious about being serious for Jesus. Will you join us? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm sure you are slightly surprised to hear my voice first thing when we start this podcast because typically I do not do introductions because I'm not that great at them. But unfortunately, Lily is sick this week, so I am joined by my lovely mother. Hello, everyone. Michelle. Y'all have heard her here on the podcast before, and apparently y'all love it when we have either her or dad on the podcast because you go crazy with the downloading and sharing and listening and all that stuff. So we're excited to have her back today, and we are talking about a topic that both of us are extremely passionate about and that we're excited to get into We're going to be talking all about the idea of you become what you behold and specifically in the kind of literature and music, TV shows, all that kind of stuff that we are absorbing, but especially in terms of reading the classics versus reading modern literature because this is something that we both really love talking about and we actually just got back from a conference not too long ago where we listened to people talk about just wonder and how the great stories the old stories promote that in our lives and it was just a great weekend us girls went So it was great to just hear people talk about some of the things that we're already thinking about, but then also to just kind of be able to relate with some other people because sometimes it feels like no one else reads classics and no one else kind of values them as much as we do. So mom, you want to jump in and get us started? We wanted to talk about this topic because both Maddie and I individually and then we started talking to each other about this conviction that we were feeling Mm -hmm. about reading way more modern novels than we were classics. Mm -hmm. I was just kind of speeding through really several modern novels there in January and February and I was pretty impressed with myself about the number of books I was reading but I was also Uh, feeling convicted that there was not much moral encouragement there. I wasn't Mm -hmm. being challenged. Just recently read in an article this quote that says you can get through several modern novels at a clip without ever being challenged to open the shell of your mind. And I think that's what Maddie and I were both feeling. So Yes, she and I were challenging each other to read more classics, and we're going to talk to you about why we think that is necessary for everyone, Mm -hmm. and it was also good to uh, be part of this conference where other individuals were feeling the same way, and I would guess that they have done a much better job than, yeah. than we have at the classics, but we are determined to to change and to make that a practice in our household. You know, I think one of the main reasons that our society is so messed up right now is because we have neglected the classics so much. And one of the things about the classics that I've noticed and that we were just kind of talking about is that they are constantly promoting the eternal and are constantly teaching us valuable moral lessons. And this is something that I think modern literature fails to do because it's just kind of, you know, about what's going on in our everyday lives that we're already experiencing. And classics are able to kind of translate 
transport you back in time, are able to teach you things about the culture, about the time period, and also about yourself. I think that they can just really help you to reflect more on your own soul than modern literature does. And I think that's something that is really hurting our society, especially because we see tons of people promoting these modern books that at first you pick them up and you think they're going to be good. And then there's all of this morally gray Mm -hmm. stuff in it and all kinds of different political ends that are trying to be met and all these different things in modern literature. Whereas you turn to a classic and you are just kind of refreshed to not see all of this political propaganda and to actually be able to absorb a good story that is going to impact your life once you're done with it. Because Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that honestly makes modern literature unsatisfying. Right. Because it doesn't promote change. It doesn't promote action. It actually is just meant to numb our brains and Mm -hmm. keep us right where we're at. Yeah. I think a a tipping point was the very last book that I started and only got a few pages into before I thought, you know, in all of these uh, modern books, it feels like there's a checklist Mm -hmm. that the authors have to meet now. Yeah. uh, Different, like you said, political, cultural norms that the powers that be want to promote within society that Mm -hmm. is not good for society. But it seems like there has to be those things in modern literature for it to even be published. So, yes, with that said, I think the Lord and Scripture... uh, tells us what to fill our minds with. Mm -hmm. And we often ignore that. And we wonder why we are not at peace. We wonder why we have so much anxiety Mm -hmm. and agitation and uh, disharmony and disorder. And it's because we're not careful in what we're putting in our minds, whether that be with books or TV shows, Mm -hmm. movies, music, the social media that we're looking at. All of these things impact the way that we think and interact with the world and interact with God, our relationship with Christ and with others and how we're serving him and prepared to serve him or not Mm -hmm. uh, because of what we're allowing into our minds. So that always reminds me of one of my favorite scriptures, which was the Philippians Mm 4.8, where he tells us to think about things that are noble and right and pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy. And then he ends, and a lot of people don't take that verse out to the ending, mm-hmm. that is what brings us peace. It says that that God's peace will be with us if we fill our minds and concentrate on those things. Mm-hmm. I think this is something that is really profound in classical literature because they do promote things that are noble and that are right and that are moral, whereas in modern literature, we are just fed all of this gray stuff that are not at all admonishing for our souls and that are going to lift us up and point us toward eternal truths. And this is the reason that classics become classics because they are timeless and universal and they promote truths that are going to be applicable in whatever time period they're being read in. Mm -hmm. This is something that modern literature does not include because it's pretty much just about like crank out as many books as you possibly can and also just make it entertaining. Mm -hmm. Just make it so that it's a good page turner. It's got plot twists. It's got good characters, but not good characters that you are going to be constantly thinking back to and looking up to and trying to follow their example. And I think this is something that's really shaped 
my literary life and my life in general is the books that I've read have characters in them that are moral and that are fighting for what's right, fighting for what's good, and they are teaching me how to do that also. And it doesn't matter when those classics were written, how old they are, they just present truths that are timeless and that you're constantly thinking back to. Right. Whether it's a medieval knight or Atticus Finch, we mm -hmm. talk about him all the time. We talk about Jane Eyre. We talk about Edmund in The Count of Monte Cristo. Mm -hmm. These are characters that once you finish those books, you return to over and over in your mind as yeah. like, what would so-and-so do? Mm -hmm. Or I want to be like... Jane Eyre when I grow up. I yeah. want to have that much moral fortitude to make the right choices, even when they are devastatingly difficult to mm -hmm. make. That's who I want to be when I grow up. And I don't find a whole lot of that in the modern novels that yeah. I've read lately. I don't want to necessarily grow up to be like any of those characters. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's so unsatisfying about them mm -hmm. a lot because it doesn't call you to change and it doesn't call you to be better and it doesn't give you something that you can continue to think about. Mm -hmm. Another thing about classical literature is that it can actually educate you. And I think this is something that's honestly really sad about modern literature. So many people are reading because it is just that mind-numbing fluff that they're just, you know, turn the page, get it done. And then once you finish it, you're like, oh, I finished another Colleen Hoover book and it was great and, you know, whatever. And it's like, are you even going to remember what that was about right. two weeks from now? Did you learn anything new about society in that except for maybe that the depravity was even worse than you thought it was, but it was made light of right. in the book? I think this is something that has really shaped me as I've grown up reading classics and trying to commit myself to reading even more classics is that it has taught me so much about what's wrong with our culture compared to those cultures when it was being written. And it's taught me that um, the truths that they convey are still applicable to our time period. And then just beside that, it teaches you good vocabulary. It mm -hmm. teaches you history. It teaches you geography. It teaches you all kinds of different things about that culture that have changed and that you're not being taught in history textbooks today but that are actually very important. I mean, it can teach you good manners. It can teach you common sense. It can teach you deduction. And it's just the way that classics encompass so many different things is really mind-blowing to me. Every time I finish a classic, I'm always just like, it's crazy how many new words I know, how much mm -hmm. uh, more history I know. The same goes for TV shows. You know, we watch the TV shows and they're just, they're modern. Those are the ones that are, you know, winning all these awards and that are great and that people are really idolizing. We're weird and we basically only watch British shows that are like <laughs> classical adaptations and stuff or right. else detective shows. And that's like all we watch. We literally don't watch American TV. It's no, crazy. No, we don't. Yeah. We're even getting dad hooked on some of our British <laughs> TV shows. There's one show that we really, really love. And he was like, oh, whatever. You know, it's just fluffy. You know, it's a girl show, whatever. You know, we got him hooked now. He loves it. Um, He's like on the edge of his seat. He's literally. He's cried a few times. Yeah. It's, <laughs> well, you can't blame him for crying that one time. It was so emotional. It was crazy. We were all literally sitting in the living room <laughs> crying at this TV show. It was ridiculous. We all looked like a bunch of babies. Anyway, I think the modern TV shows are really degrading our 
minds and our moral compass. And, you know, I think the mental health aspect of some Mm -hmm. of these different things is really interesting to look at because I've seen so many things where it's like, you know, the classic bad guy versus good guy. And typically, like in the classics, the good guy would have a good attitude, would be forgiving and moral and would hope to see redemption in the bad guy. And now it's like, no, you did me wrong. So I'm not going to forgive you. I'm going to prioritize myself. I'm going to be selfish. I'm not going to be moral and hope that you come to salvation ultimately is what the classics teach us. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is something that's really hurting the people who are watching these shows because they're not being taught that forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness is something that we should be prioritizing. Love is ultimately what is going to win in the end. And I think that that is really sad, but those are the shows that you see everyone flocking mm-hmm. to because it's easy. Because it promotes our sinful nature, which is easy to follow. We don't want to be forgiving. We don't want to be loving. We don't want to love our enemies. And so now in these shows and these new books and this music that is coming out today, it's all about just appease your sinful nature. That's easier. And when you read classics, when you watch good TV shows, they promote moral values such as forgiveness and love. And even though it may convict you and it may be difficult, you go back to those characters and you say, well, that was an even better story because Mm -hmm. they did that. Mm -hmm. The modern literature, TV shows, movies really lack, I think, in promoting in us action versus complacency. Mm -hmm. It actually is just a self-fulfilling you know, wallow in your disappointment, in your they've done me wrong in your plotting of revenge. Mm -hmm. And like you said, uh, talking about the good versus the the bad characters in the modern stuff, that's just all gray. Mm -hmm. It's like the good guys do bad things in order to achieve a somewhat good ending. Yeah. And we are encouraged to root for bad guys. We're encouraged mm-hmm. to root for villains. I have found myself doing this in some of the, the novels that yeah. I read in January, and I was kind of disturbed by it at the end because I'm like, yes, you should have revenge on that person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's totally against what the Lord tells us. And at the conference that we were at last week, We were reminded in the fairy tales, the old fairy tales, I'm talking about Hans Christian Andersen, Grimm's fairy tales. What are those ones uh, that are the different, like the blue fairy book and the Mm. red fairy, can't remember who compiled those. But in those old fairy tales, Mm -hmm. the good characters are good Mm -hmm. and they allow for the Lord to work out the ending. Basically, it's not they themselves Mm -hmm. that are inflicting the revenge or the punishment or the conviction. It usually comes about in a more natural way Mm -hmm. and they are able to maintain than their Christian nature, yeah. that they are able to to maintain that moral high ground. And in the modern stuff, we're, we're just not seeing that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you even look at something like The Count of Monte Cristo, and uh, which is something that mom has been reading recently. I am plodding my way through it. Yeah. It's a chunky book. No kidding. Yeah. That thing is huge, <laughs> like huge. But even in that story, 
the main character in that story is wronged by so many different people oh. and is wrongly imprisoned. And I will try not to give away too much, but you should read it. Even though it's a really big French book, it, you should read it. But he then is told by an older character who is much wiser and who is called the priest, right. who educates him and who tells him specifically, do not seek revenge. Revenge is not going to get you anywhere. And yet Edmund goes and does the exact opposite and he seeks revenge and he kind of struggles with it a little bit but he seeks revenge but then the difference with this story is at the end he realizes Mm -hmm. the priest was right revenge didn't get me anywhere and he has this kind of come to jesus moment and it's a very powerful way to end the story where, and I mean, even in that story, you're like, yes, seek revenge, do these right. different things. It's a great plot and it's an incredible story. But then at the end, you are shown by the author that revenge was never the right route to take. You mm-hmm. know, things would have taken care of themselves mm-hmm. and the Lord would have fought for him. Right. You should always value what the Lord wants you to do more than Mm -hmm. you should value the revenge. Whereas if we made that into a modern TV show, it would be, yes, revenge, 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 kill the people. I don't care what you do. Take all their money, you know, all these different Mm -hmm. things. And at the end, it would be, oh, that was great. That was freeing. Whereas in The Count of Monte Cristo, you see Edmund realizes that the revenge enslaved him and then his morality and his salvation is what ultimately frees him yes um the other thing that we were reminded of last week was having a sense of wonder and how those great classics the fairy tales the world of tolkien Mm -hmm. and uh, c.s lewis those worlds that they have created the Secret Garden, Anne of Green Gables, these books that just inspire a sense of wonder in the world around you. Mm-hmm. That is very lacking, I think, in today's yeah. literature and how important that is. I know, Maddie, you've been reading a book that you've really enjoyed about how to enhance the imagination and how important that is for children especially Mm -hmm. today but even as adults it's so important for us to wonder at the world around us at what God has created for us to enjoy and for us to get to know him and his character Mm -hmm. through I've been reading a, a book about just beauty and how the Lord encounters us in that beauty mm-hmm. and he breaks through our despair yeah. and our anxiety and our darkness mm-hmm. with himself in his creation and in the people that he's placed in our lives. And, you know, that's another thing. We need to surround ourselves with the right kind of people mm-hmm. who will exhibit that character to us that will be an encouragement instead of a discouragement. And I think, you know, modern day stuff tells us things are not going to get better. Mm -hmm. This is just the way it is. It's going to get worse from here. It's just uh, it's just evil. The world around us is just full of evil. And if we don't wonder at the goodness that the Lord has placed before us, we're going to be in trouble. 
Mm-hmm. I think one of the main ways that modern literature and music and TV shows and just our society in general is dampening our wonder, which is actually such an important part of life, like mom mentioned, because, you know, we are made to be sub-creators. We're made to mm-hmm. look at creation in awe and we're supposed to worship the Lord through that. And so if the world is able to stifle that wonder, then they are able to stifle our worship ultimately. And they're able to stifle our idea of who God is and our ability to know him better. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the main ways that the modern stuff kind of dampens that is all of the TV shows and the music and the books are about adopting a position. And in the book, in the song, in the TV show, you are told what position to take. You're told, basically, the author creates a likable villain and you are pretty much told the villain is the one that you should aspire to be like, or Mm -hmm. the villain is the one that's cool or that is the most powerful in this story. And it tells you what conclusion you should come to at the end of the book. And I think something that's powerful about the classics and that they really do a great job of conveying is this almost mystery a little bit when you come to the end of it. I mean, overall, you know, the moral story is Edmund should not have sought revenge, but Mm -hmm. why? You're left to determine that, to think through that, to wrestle with that. And that is what has made classics more or less eternal and has made them into classics because you are encouraged to continue wrestling with them Mm -hmm. way past the last page. Right. And you are meant to wonder at them and you're meant to translate them and apply them to your own life and look at these characters and say, how am I going to be like them? What defines them? What sets them apart? And in the modern stuff, it's just like, here's what you should think about this. Here's what we're going to include in this to do the checklist to make sure that we're going to get published because we have have all of the right political stuff in this. And I think that's something that is really hurting our imagination and our wonder because we're not allowed to seek our own answers, to ask more questions that lead us to answers, that lead us to more questions, and, you know, that encourage us to reread and to study the classics. That's something that's missing in modern literature, especially because there's nothing there to study. It's a shallow story, and it's something that the author wrote in about six months because their publisher told them they needed another one out in that amount of time, and so it's just something that is out there for our mind-numbing enjoyment. (laughs) Right. Yeah, the classics we often see are almost a lifetime mm-hmm. worth of work. If you look at the the intricacies of Tolkien's Middle Earth yeah. and the Elvish language that he created and the the music that's woven into his stories, that took mm-hmm. years and years to develop and you can tell. Yeah. You know, you can uh there's just so much food and Mm -hmm. nourishment there for your soul. And uh, same with the Narnia Mm -hmm. series. Well, I mean, you just think about how much time and effort they were willing to put into some of these different things, especially like 1800s, you know, I think of Jane Eyre, like that would have been written by hand. Yes. I mean, Charlotte Bronte like poured a lot of work into that. I mean, that's a pretty thick copy yes. also. Mm-hmm. And she would have been writing it by hand over and over and over again. I mean, so many drafts and so much effort is going into this and, you know, making sure that your characters are developed, that your plot is good, that you are coming through with that moral lesson at the end. 
But seriously, when was the last time we heard of an author putting as much effort into their stories as Tolkien put into The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and The Silmarillion? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, he spent years and years and years. I have a book that mom got me that is like all of his letters and it's crazy just to see. I've read through it and it has really made me like even more fond of him because he's just so like sweet and he pours so much time into his writing and wants to truly make a story that's worth your time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that modern authors don't value as much. They just want you to read it. They want you to buy it. They want to make money off of it. And that's not necessarily bad. It's good to want your book to be successful, to have people like, you know, just turning the pages and can't wait to get to the end of it. But Tolkien was really concerned with, I want to create a story that is going to teach people to wonder at the world and to create new worlds of their own, to look at fairy tales and to look at these different things and see the um, valuable lessons that they teach us. And it's just so sweet to read through like the letters to his publishers and to his friends and his kids and just to see the way that he poured so much time and effort into, I mean, he literally created like entire histories for every race in his books and he wrote songs and he wrote poems and created all these new stories that go in this whole story. And it's just crazy to see how much time and effort he put into it. And I mean, I don't know of any authors today that would pour years and years and years of effort into Mm -hmm. creating a world that truly mirrors heaven, honestly. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think the moral of this story is that we have got to be seeking the true, the good, and the beautiful in everything that we do. And this does not just apply to literature and music and TV shows. It applies to our everyday life. But I will say that it becomes much easier to divine between good and evil when you are surrounding yourself with good stories that teach you how to kind of separate those two and to see evil clearly and then also to see good clearly Mm -hmm. because that's something that modern literature is neglecting. They're making everything gray and then it's in turn is making our lives very gray because we're losing that element of discernment and we're not looking at characters and seeing like, okay, here's how they saw the evil that was coming and here's how they dealt with it and here is what we should do then and it provides an opportunity for translation and for application to our everyday lives. So, obviously, we could not go the entire episode without actually quoting Tolkien, and this is actually a quote from the Silmarillion, and I think this is so powerful because it's, uh, first of all, just Tolkien. Anything he says is pretty powerful and noteworthy, but it just kind of teaches us even more about the classics. He says, Among the tales of sorrow and of ruin that came down to us from the darkness of those days, There are yet some in which, amid weeping, there is joy, and under the shadow of death, light that endures. I think this is what sets classics apart from every other kind of literature because it teaches us that there's always a light that endures. And in modern literature, we're taught that there's always a darkness that endures, and you're never going to get past that, and you're never going to be able to overcome it. And, you know, the villain is always going to be glorified. He's always going to get his way. He's always going to be more powerful. Whereas in stories like The Lord of the Rings, like Narnia, like Jane Eyre, like Count of Monte Cristo, you see that the light is always going to prevail. No matter how powerful the villain seems to be, no matter how much struggle goes on between the good and the evil, the good is always going to prevail. And ultimately, that tells us the story of creation and the redemption that Jesus brought when he came and died for us. I mean, it just literally, the classics retell the gospel story, Mm -hmm. and that's what makes them classics. That's what makes them powerful, and that's what allows us to wonder at them. 
All right. Well, we're going to wrap up the episode here. Thank you so much for listening. It's a little bit of a different conversation than what we usually have, but I enjoyed recording it and I think mom enjoyed recording it. I did. So we thank you for listening. Don't forget to download and share this with a friend who you either know likes classics and wants to listen to a conversation about them or who you think needs to read more classics. All of us should be reading more classics and all of us need to put away the modern junk, honestly, because that's pretty much what it is. And uh, we need to go back to the past and we need to look at the moral values that those teach us and begin to incorporate those into our actual lives. So thank you so much for listening. We will talk to y'all next Monday. Bye, guys. (laughs)